Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp, managing editor of Fightful.com and FightfulMMA.com. We're here for UFC 224 and Bellator 199 post-show. Head over to Fightful.com. We have tons of stories over there from the shows tonight, as well as the Lomachenko fight. I'm sure that Carlos will talk about that sometime this week. Uh, Another great fight. There was another good boxing card on HBO. There's a Ring of Honor show tonight. We have quick results on that as well. Just lots of good stuff. Head over to FightfulSelect.com. It's what's bringing you this show ad-read free. It is our premium service. Of course, you can get all your uh, new exclusive info on MMA, pro wrestling, and boxing at Fightful.com. But we've added a ton of extra additional bonus content over to FightfulSelect.com. You all will truly uh, love that service. Just head over there, see what we have to offer. Also at YouTube.com slash Fightful, I have a playlist full of preview content for that service. Let's jump right into it. And there's plenty to talk about tonight. Not just Bellator, uh, not just UFC, but some of the happenings around UFC. Now we'll expand on this a little bit more this week, but Yair Rodriguez was fired ahead of this show for turning down fights with Ricardo Lamas and Zabit. And Dana White saying that, you know, the people that want to fight will be in the UFC and all this stuff and all this horse shit. It is a case-by-case basis because if he were a bigger name, no, he wouldn't have got cut. Conor McGregor threw a fucking dolly at a car, at a bus. He ain't getting fired. Dana White literally goes on interviews and says, oh, I know Nate Diaz hasn't fought in like two years, but we offer him fights, and every time we offer him fights because we have to contractually, we extend his deal when he turns him down. How is that different? Well, I'll tell you how it's different. Nate Diaz is a bigger name. I'd love to see how you all feel about this. Uh, This is just a gross, nasty situation that I didn't like at all. We are, of course, going to talk about this at length on the uh, Holy Smokes MMA podcast this week. By the way, that show airs 3 p.m. Eastern every Tuesday on FightfulMMA.com. You can uh, see myself and Showdown Joe uh, breaking down all the news, we preview events, we go in-depth, we have guests, we have pros picks. 
courtesy of James Lynch on on uh, those as well. But also ahead of this card, I think it's worth mentioning before we even talk about the fight, the manner in which Mackenzie Dern missed weight. That was embarrassing. That was unprofessional. It was it was stupid. Like there's no way that you try to make weight. You're healthy and you miss by seven pounds. She was closer to straw weight or closer to fly weight than she was straw weight. If I'm the UFC, I don't know how I let her fight at 115, especially with her history too. Let's let's take a look at Mackenzie Dern's career. She hasn't been fighting that long. She's 25 years old, just turned 25. She missed weight in her second and third fight. She fought at flyweight uh, in her fourth fight and then missed weight again. So four of her seven fights have not been contested at straw weight. Three of them, half of her fights, she's missed weight in. At what point do you take the Alexis Dufresne route and say, no more, cut this shit out? We got Josette Cotton, we've got Alexis Dufresne, and we have Mackenzie Dern. The, the three habitual line steppers of female MMA weight cutting. Lame. Lame. Fight at flyweight. Over on Bellator, I wanted to talk about this before we get to UFC. We had Czech Congo flattening Javi Ayala. Czech Congo gets his first knockout in four years. Ayala tried to push him up against the cage, work off, and throw a bit of a sloppy punch. But Congo had a beautiful parry, rolled, and threw a magnificent short counter right that knocked out Ayala. This is the first fight of Congo's that hasn't sucked in years. The man turns 43 next week and has won six in a row. There's no reason he shouldn't have been in the Bellator heavyweight title tournament. It's embarrassing that he wasn't, and it's even more embarrassing that this wasn't made an alternate bout as opposed to Krokop and Nelson. Nelson, who already had his chance. Where's Justin Wren? Embarrassing. Leave us a thumbs up on this video. Please subscribe, by the way, guys. Aaron Pico drops Morrison via first round KO. By the way, guys, I'm posting my podcast notes early tomorrow morning for this show and UFC. Man, Pico looked real good. He has some excellent footwork, instincts, aggression, and power. He dropped a flying Morrison, then finished things off the left uppercut. They really should run back Pico versus Freeman. This fight was was pretty, pretty, uh, like, telling about how, how far Pico's come because Freeman is a veteran. He's fought almost 30 times, probably has, including fights that maybe not aren't that aren't documented. So I would love to see uh Freeman fight Pico again. I think it's the right right thing to do. It's a natural fight, it's a compelling fight. Freeman beat him. But Aaron Pico legitimately right now looks like a future champion and the fact that he was able to rebound from that that Freeman lost just just under a year ago, I think it was, and is able to look this good. Fantastic. John Fitch laid on Paul Daly for three rounds. Wow. So the story of this fight is John Fitch does what John Fitch does. While John Fitch is working some ground and pound that clearly didn't really phase Paul Daly, but he couldn't do anything about it. Paul Daly is booing John Fitch and saying audibly, good job, Bellator. This will get you a lot of fans, millions of them. 
And I think it's big John McCarthy. I think it was him that's on commentary. It, says, it doesn't matter. He's losing. Yeah, but the story of that fight is Paul Daly on the broadcast booing a fight that he is in and you being able to hear him trash the company. And and the way that it came across on commentary, it was just like, ah. I, I think I thought Morrow did, did a good job. He was very self-aware and kind of just laughed it off. We get it. Paul Daly knew he was losing that fight. Whew. Man. <clears throat> Ryan Bader dominated King Mo in 15 seconds. I wonder what UFC's thinking right now with Ryan Bader because Ryan Bader is a guy who traditionally didn't have the most exciting fights. He had a reputation of being nothing but a wrestler. And he has went over, and, and but the thing is, his last three fights in the UFC all ended in knockout, regardless of who did it. He should have fought Daniel Cormier. That was a ready-made fight. I thought that him showing up that presser that Cormier was at was great. And now Bader is 3-0 and in Bellator. He is Bellator light heavyweight champion, and he has two finishes in a row, including a 15-second knockout of King Mo, how what do I have to break down? Bader wins with a lead left hook right out of the gate. It's over. Follows King Mo to the ground, does his work. King Mo is thirty-seven. That's you quietly thirty-seven years old. In two thousand nine, I mean, we're talking like it was nine years ago when. King Mo was this prospect emerging and was about to fight Gegard Musashi, and I was there for that snoozer of a fight. But after that, that Sengoku run that he had and the M1 Global fight that he had and the Strike Force debut, people were like, all right, he's the next big thing. Well, he never was necessarily the next big thing, but he was solid for Bellator and solid for Strike Force and even good for Ryzen. But it's it's Amazing how quickly you go from 30 or 28-year-old on the cusp of greatness to 37-year-old, uh-oh, here he is now. He's alternating wins and losses. Got knocked out by Crow Cop, got decision by Phil Davis, squeezed in a Satoshi Ishii and a Quentin Jackson fight there. But um, I don't know that he's ever really been the same after that that rise and run. I think that rise and run maybe took quite a bit out of him and it should have. It was, it was a very exhausting arduous run that he had. Also that staph infection that almost killed him. It's amazing. Amazing that he was ever able to come back from that, uh, from that staph infection that he got. So Bellator, a good show tonight as well. You had the Lobachenko fight where he got dropped and came back and won finished off his opponent. You had a great, uh, a good HBO fight too. But in, well, let's go ahead and talk UFC. Let's go ahead and talk the big fights. We'll go ahead and start off with the main event. Amanda Nunes defeated Raquel Pennington. Now there's another story to this fight as well. And that's her corner, her being Raquel Pennington. And once upon a time, Raquel Pennington would have seemed an unlikely opponent. I had somebody saying, or I saw somebody that I respected on Twitter saying, well, she shouldn't have gotten a title shot. Well, yeah, she should have. She beat a former champion. She beat a former title challenger. She would have had the title shot much sooner had she not injured her leg. 
But uh, three years ago, she was five and five. She being Pennington had dropped fights to Holly Holm and Jessica and drive between September, 2015 and uh, November, 2017 or 2016. She got that win back over Andrage. She retired Misha Tate. She sent Elizabeth Phillips packing, and she beat Betch Kohea. I think there is. I think that's a pretty solid run, even though Betch Kohea ain't shit, to be quite honest with you. I think that uh, Raquel Pennington did deserve this. Uh, Nunez made an impression right out of the gate with that leg kick that dropped Pennington. I equated that on Twitter to. Nunez, if Nunez were a football team, she opened up the game by run by rushing the ball twice and getting 10-yard gains. And that opens up the passing game. That opens up the play action. That opens up everything. That still has has the other team scared of your run. After that, Nunez could do anything she wanted to Raquel Pennington and pretty much did. Uh, Nunez outclassed Pennington in the first round, really painted up Rocky P's leg. Round two started with Nunez going to the body. Round one was leg early. Round two was body early. Pennington briefly closes the distance, connects with the right. But it seemed like every time she had to get in and get close, it, it took all she had to muster one of those up. And that happened every about 45 seconds to a minute. Raquel started to wading in and got close, but ate some knees. Does get the waist lock takedown. And I thought more importantly than that, that it took her off the leg that was already painted up, already looking really, really bad. They traded to end that round. Pennington tries to pressure. And when she was pressuring earlier, it really affected Nunez's footwork, as Nikita Krylov fan Corey Cropper pointed out to me as we were talking about this fight. But it, in the third round, she immediately got put on her back, she being Pennington again. Pennington's counter-striking was just too slow, and we saw a lot more of it in this fight than we have in previous fights. And you could tell that that's something that hadn't been a part of her game plan prior, but with someone as aggressive as Nunez, and I've talked about this before in our preview, Nunez is so good at standing outside, walking you to the cage, and then keeping you at the end of her strikes. What those strikes are, you don't know. Might be a body strike, might be a head strike. Uh, She might pull you in for a clinch, throw a knee back out, might throw a leg kick. She's just really good at that. Really good at that. Somebody says attendance looked bad tonight. Yeah, it did. I'll keep you all updated on what it is. So we learned that at at the end of the third round, one, Nunes crumbled Pennington with the knee. She returned to doing so, but in the head uh, in round four. Nunes' cardio is not an issue. This was an issue in early on in the career of Amanda Nunez. Not anymore, man. She's transformed herself. She's gotten leaner, and her career, it's paid off dividends. Pennington won it out in between rounds four and five, and her coach, I don't know who it was, I'll have to figure it out, says, you just need to change your mindset. Fuck you, guy. That's horrible coaching. That's horrible cornering. So what happens? Pennington, with a broken nose, is trot out there. Gets her ass whipped and finished on the ground. Fire your corner man. Find a corner man and a coach who cares more about you than they do about the percentage they're taking home. That was embarrassing. That was gross. That was stupid. You have to get licensed in most places 
to be a corner man. To me, if that happens, you should have to undergo a hearing to possibly have revocation uh, of your corner man license. Now, will that happen? Probably not. But that was that wasn't even subjective as possibly being uh, a conflict of the interest of your fighter in the cage. It was a direct conflict of interest of your fighter in the cage. You want to see a stark contrast? Look at Tisha Torres. I don't know if it's Pennington's wife, fiance, uh, significant other, but it is, it is her significant other. And you see Tisha Torres, one of the best fighters at 115 pounds, cleaning up Raquel Pennington in the cage. The concern on her face, an elite fighter, saying, let's get a towel, let's get her, let's, let's get her cleaned up, let's take care of her. Look at the stark contrast and how much she cares about Raquel Pennington. And obviously in a much different way than, than Pennington's corner did. That was embarrassing. That was embarrassing. Thank you, Justin. He says uh, they, they are engaged. I remember one time on Instagram, they had posted something like, got hitched. And I think it was in Vegas or something. So it was a little foggy there. I've done my fair share of cornering in my day. And if a fighter would, I never had one tell me that, but if my fighter were up two rounds to none and they walked to me in between round two and three and said, I'm done. Well, my first thing would say, I would say, what's wrong? And if they gave me a good reason, all right, you're out of there. I mean, ultimately they're going to be out of there anyway. But, I mean, I, I want to know if they're up two rounds to none. Pennington wasn't in that situation. She was down four rounds to none. And there was nothing to indicate that she had anything left in her to finish that fight. There was nothing to indicate that she had anything in her in the first 10 seconds of that fight to finish it. And you don't let her out? Horrible. Horrible. Embarrassing. Amanda Nunez wins. That is her uh, third successful defense of the UFC Women's Bantamweight Championship. Ronda Rousey is, uh, of course, the leader at six. Although she did defend that title uh, once more against Sarah Kaufman in Strikeforce before it was she was awarded that title. So I really count that as seven. Uh, Ioana and Jacek defended her title successfully five times. But my God, man. You got to wonder who's left for Amanda Nunes in this division. Let's take a look at the at the rankings. Right now, you have Holly Holm. Well, apparently, she's a featherweight fighter now. So, no. Also, uh, that just you know that 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 could be one if for some reason Holm beat Megan Anderson. I guess you could put her in a fight with Nunes, but I think it's a bad look to give somebody four title shots in what gosh, two and a half years and then possibly lose them all. You know, the only thing you could really say is, well, she's never fought Nunes. So there's that Raquel Pennington just got beat. Uh, Juliana Pena. She ain't coming back anytime soon. She hasn't fought in a year and a half. Uh, had a baby, lost her last fight against Shevchenko. So now Pena hasn't won a fight in two years. Caitlin Vieira, that could be one. I thought that they wouldn't burn her on 
<laughs> Nunez. I thought they would have her because she's she's a big girl, man. She's her uh, stats say five a. I think she's closer to five nine, five ten. But I would I could see her competing at featherweight in the future. But she's likely next. I would imagine. You have Jermaine Durandamy. Is she even fighting anymore? I don't know. I have no idea. It doesn't seem like it. Kat Zingano hasn't won a fight since 2014. If she beat Marion Renault, no, that's not enough in my estimation. If Marion Renault beats Kat Zingano, yes, I do think that's that's a possibility. It'll be like a co-main event. I don't think it'll be a headliner or anything. But Marion Renault uh, and I think Caitlin Vieira are the two best options. Holly Holm is also an option, although I don't know if it's a best option from a name perspective. Sure. I don't know why Kat Zingano is even still ranked in the top 10. I have no idea. That is just a miscarriage that she is even in there. Although that division has undergone a lot of changes. Besh Kohea has like gotten her way back into that division uh, by default. She has... Betch Kohea has one win since 2014, and that's over Jessica I. And it was a split decision. Jessica I couldn't beat anybody at 135. And Kohea is there in the top 10. They got to sign some more women. It's at the point where the entire division is ranked. Why am I leaving Cyborg out of it? Because they won't breathe each other's name for some reason. We'll see. I, I want to see that fight. I want to see Nunez and Cyborg. That's the fight to make. It's the right fight to make. I'm ready for that one. We had Kelvin Gastelum edging out Jacare Souza. I was very surprised that the distance was closed so quickly because going into this fight, I thought that Jacare Souza's skill set being uh, better than 99% of the people in the world in MMA on the ground would negate a lot of Gastelum's strength. And it did. Like his wrestling was really just out the window. Jacare took advantage of a flying leg lock, but he realized he wasn't getting it, moved into top control. His pressure is just insane. He takes a risk and steps over with an arm bar, but um, uh, Gastelum's able to hold on. Gastelum's able to land a couple punches here and when Jacare was trying to get in, but this was really all Jacare. On the feet was Gaslam's best shot, and even then, Jacare was able to land here and there, but Gaslam really learned from the first round, started to circle away from the fence. That resulted in Jacare landing a few good shots when Gaslam would circle away from the fence, but then Gaslam dropped Jacare, and this, this had a major change for the rest of the fight. This gassed out Jacare Souza. Now, uh, Gaslam's corner would have had you believe that Jacare was tired before that. I don't know that that's true. I mean, maybe it was, but I think that this punch really put Jacare at a disadvantage, and uh, it it almost stopped the fight. Uh, they abandoned strategy and technique. <laughs> they went into zombie mode. Jacare just couldn't take down Gaslam in round three. Body punches were finding a home for Jacare, and that's how he was staying in it. It's impressive to see such an output from a guy who was as tired as Souza was. Gaslam tried to utilize footwork in the last minute more than Jacare was willing to allow to happen. Jacare got a quick takedown, and they're back on their feet. I had it 29-28 Jacare, personally. 
am I upset or anything that that a Gastelum won? No, I'm not. I I, th- I think that that it was close enough to where it could go either way. But do I think it should have went to Sousa? Yeah, I do. I, I think Sousa was more active. Now that maybe that could have been me wearing rose-colored glasses and thinking that I was just more impressed with what he was able to do after being put on, on queer street, as Joe Rogan would say. So Kelvin Gaslam wants a title shot. He has won, I think six of his last, or no, it's five of his last six. Sousa, Bisping, Kennedy, Belfort, Hendricks. Uh, he has that one where he tested positive for marijuana. Come on now. He got beat by Chris Weidman. You know, I'm sure Chris Weidman would love uh, a shot at that title too, if he could get another win. But the thing is, he just doesn't stay active. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. He doesn't fight that that often these days. He fought one he, he took off for eleven months and then he fought twice last year, hasn't fought since. So I mean that, that kind of removes him from the equation. Jacare's always gonna be there. Jacare's always gonna be that resilient dude, and he's gonna be a guy that hangs around. He doesn't lose back to back fights. I expect him to win his next fight. Um I would like to see uh Jacare versus Chris Weidman. I thought that fight should have been made anyway. I thought it should have been Jacare and Weidman and then Romero and Gaslam. And whoever looked most impressive out of them should have gotten the shot against Bobby Knuckles. But then again, I thought I thought Robert Whitaker was going to be out much longer than he actually was. So all good there. Mackenzie Dern. Defeated Amanda Bobby Cooper. Amanda Bobby Cooper's footwork was so much better. Dern is slow and clunky, and how thick she came in in this fight made the weight, made the missing weight look even worse, man. Like, like here's the thing. If Dern can't can't mentally make 115, she should fight at 125. But looking at her physically, there ain't a goddamn reason she couldn't have made 115. None. None. All of her win bonus should have went to Amanda Cooper. The footwork was bad and slow. The setups weren't good, but that right hand was there the entire fight for Dern, and it connected. She smoked Amanda Bobby Cooper with that overhand right. It was a beaut. And uh, Dern locks in the rear naked choke for the win. You could tell Amanda Cooper did not want to tap. And uh, as the Solster brings up, Mackenzie Dern's camp asked her to leave. 
What does that tell you? And I'm sitting here looking at this and, you know, I was not a high level striking coach or anything. I taught some kickboxing in my day and I, uh, some like women's kickboxing and low level kickboxing. And I look at the mechanics of a McKenzie Dern and how she's always rolling her shoulders forward and she's popping up and down, but she doesn't have the right footwork and she's not very light and Everything takes everything except for that overhand took a really long path to get somewhere it didn't need to be. And I don't know if a lot of that is fixable. I think a lot of it is is a physical issue, like how she's built. And she's got these big shoulders, and that's gonna be really, really tough. Oh man. And I think about the people in the top ten in that division. I think of Andrage and Torres and Watterson, Joanna, Rose. And then I even think of a of a Felice Herrig who could adapt to something like what Mackenzie Dern does. Mackenzie Dern did not close the distance and grapple with Amanda Cooper. She dropped Amanda Cooper and then submitted her. There wasn't like a clinch or a takedown. We didn't really get to see that. So I wonder how that how that would go once I mean Especially at straw weight. At flyweight, okay, yeah, you would you see that maybe with a Caitlin Chikagan and with Valentina Shevchenko. To a degree, Paige Van Zant had has some good strikes from range. And honestly, that'd be probably a good fight for them to put on is Paige Van Zant versus uh Mackenzie Dern at flyweight. But if you want me to be honest with you, I think that if Paige Van Zant can keep the distance, Paige Van Zant wins that fight. Now, granted, if if it goes to the ground, Mackenzie Dern's beating almost almost anybody. Eh. John Lineker put down Brian Kelleher with the third round KO. I thought Kelleher was going to win this. Oh, this was good. It had been over 200 strikes in almost two years since Lineker's last KO. Well, that changed. Kelleher slugged Lineker with a nice counter right, but got caught with an overhand. I was a little surprised that Kelleher didn't scramble, uh, but I think he was looking to survive more than he was looking to adapt and wrestle in this fight. So I, I, I guess I shouldn't have been that surprised. Kelleher looked really good stepping back and countering. That was great for him because Lineker was pressuring. However, later on in the fight, it was a problem because Kelleher looked to reset in the middle of the cage, but then... Within seconds of Kelleher resetting, Lineker would back him up two or three steps. And that undoes so much of the work that you just worked to do. Because then you're on the black line of the cage and you're already working to reset again. Lineker was scoring with a body hook uh, to the right and then a left hook to the face. He's far more technical than he's ever given credit for. And Kelleher should be ranked in the top 15 just based on his willingness to slug it out with Lineker and not going to sleep that soon that was (laughs) that was uh pretty impressive in its own right he doesn't have great head movement and that resulted in Lineker throwing one of the hardest left hooks in UFC bantamweight division history and just putting out Brian Kelleher now here's the here's the problem Lineker has won eight of nine but he's also lost to TJ Dillashaw. Cody Garbrandt, I don't think she'd get a title shot. She'd have been Rivera or Marias. 
whatever. Cruz doesn't belong there either. He's lost. He's he last fight a year fought a year and a half ago, and he didn't win that fight. I think Rivera Marias should be ranked above Cruz at this point. Lineker should probably be up there too. So Lineker, while he wants a title shot, unless Cody Garbrandt wins that title, he ain't getting it. And if Cody Garbrandt gets it, you know what they're gonna do. The goddamn bantamweight carousel. It's Cruz, it's Garbrandt, it's Dillashaw. Z, 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 Z. Give me something new in that goddamn division, guys. John Lineker looked fantastic tonight. Uh, Vinny Fernando says Lineker versus Cruz probably. I would love that fight. I think it's a fantastic idea. I'm really excited for um, for Marias and Rivera. We have an interview with R- Rivera up on the site. Man, that's that's a good one. That is a damn good one coming up. Up next, oh boy. It's like, it was Old Yeller. Lyoto Machida, Old Yeller, Vitor Belfort in the second round. Belfort's career ends after 41 documented fights, although there are probably many more undocumented fights that are likely to have happened. He captured the UFC Light Heavyweight Championship in rather controversial fashion in 2004 when part of his uh, glove caught Randy Quitter's eye led to a doctor stoppage. He'd go on to beat Vanderlei Silva, Rich Franklin, Anthony Rumble Johnson, Michael Bisping, Luke Rockhold, Dan Henderson. And of course, you know, there are the questions of PEDs, and we know he took TRT. And going to this fight, I thought that he would he would do the, the Belfort Blitz and put away Machida. That didn't happen. That first round was boring. Machida fights Southpaws all the time, so he knows exactly what's coming. He should have been riding a four-fight losing streak going into this fight, but in the second round, really all he can do, Belfort got lulled, and then bam. It was the same kick that Anderson Silva knocked him out with all those years ago. Whoo, boy. And that's something... Like, what can you say about that kick? The way that Machida just stared at him, bowed, that was badass, man. I can I can trash Machida's fighting style all I want, but the finish was the finish. And the thing is, Belfort could head over to Bellator or Ryzen right now and get another three years and probably millions of dollars and some wins, probably. He ain't beating Ryan Bader, but probably get some wins. He left his, his gloves in the cage. It was quite the scene. You can say what you want about Vitor Belfort, and let me tell you guys, his media calls were some of the first that I was ever uh, given access to, and they were shitty. You got on there and you wanted to ask him a question about anything, and he would go off about Jesus for 10 minutes. You'd hang up the phone. You'd be so dejected. Whoo, boy. Machida still wants Bisping. If I'm Bisping, I don't know if I want that as my last fight. That sounds like a good way to not earn $50,000 for fight of the night bonus or finish bonus. So I don't want that. As for Machida, he is number 12 in the division. He'll probably move up a little bit. Vitor Belfort was number nine. He's going to be out of the rankings because he's going to retire. So those rankings are undergoing some changes with 
Bisping leaving. Rockhold has accepted a fight with Alexander Gustafson, apparently. So he's going to be out of there. So we're looking at, at three names likely to be removed from these rankings fairly soon. Aryan Glover says, what are your predictions for Punk and Mike Jackson UFC 225? We will preview that show the week before on Holy Smokes MMA podcast. You all can check that out 2 p.m. Uh, every, or 3 p.m. Eastern, rather, on Tuesdays. We have guests. It's just a lot of fun. It is a, a blast. FightfulMMA.com. The prelims. Man, these are some good prelims. Cesar Ferrara, or Ferreira. Nap times Carl Roberson, Roberson via technical submission with an arm triangle. Roberson didn't look good. Got his first loss in MMA. He was an 0-3 kickboxer. This is either going to be a KO or a submission, but the latter was much more likely. Shitty matchmaking. Roberson got out on the front foot, rushed in and was taken down. Got flattened out very easily. A ground battle where Roberson was on his back mounted and was throwing punches up like it was goddamn UFC Undisputed 2009 on PlayStation 3. That shit don't work, homie. It doesn't work. He got put to sleep. Ferreira did a good job switching sides, applying the arm triangle. That is my favorite submission. Dang MQ says, Mike Jackson could be the reason CM Punk goes all in. Uh, Personally, I think he is anyway. I mean, he's going to be there. Alexi Olenek embarrasses Junior Albina with an Ezekiel cook. I don't know if I can call it embarrassing. He's got like 11 of them. He's got as many Ezekiel choke finishes as their way to spell his goddamn name. I'm serious, guys. Go look into how to spell Alexi Olenek. His name. I've seen no shorter, no shorter than, or no fewer. Uh, sorry, guys. It's 1.30 a.m. Eastern. No fewer than like four spellings. Albini really needs to fight it out of the top 15. Uh, Olenek got cut early, but he pulled guard with an Ezekiel choke. Now, an Ezekiel choke, choke is in, essentially works like this, and it serves as a cigar cutter, essentially, where you're just, the head goes right in there, and you got to have a real good squeeze, and Olenek apparently has one of the best. Royce, Gra- Royce Gracie wouldn't have had the balls to pull this off in UFC 1. Like, Royce Gracie would have been like, nah, that shit ain't working. Off his back, in guard, and not using his legs. Just bam. There there aren't a lot of submissions like that. I mean, against really, really, really low-level guys, when I used to start grappling, I would, when people would try to post up on my chest or something, I would push their arm, and I would, like, apply the hold of a uh, either an Ezekiel or an arm triangle. Then I would get the butterflies in, and I would try to kick them out, scoot my hips, or I would try to sweep like that. Essentially, a head and arm with butterfly sweep. And that was really all my offense with my arms right there. I mean, maybe somebody's being lazy, can sit up, take a double wrist lock. There ain't a lot from that point. Off your back, flat, pinned. My God. Alexi Olenek. He is an old son of a bitch, too. That guy's in his 40s. Have an exclusive interview with him up at Fightful.com. Shout-outs to James Lynch. He's taken like two or three weeks off this month and did like all his work in that period. So we've just we've got him loaded. 
So Alexi Olenek is 40 years old. He'll be 41 next month. And he's won three of his last four. And now he's five and two in the UFC. His his last loss was to uh, Curtis Blades. And as it turns out, that's all right. I mean, he uh, beat Mirko Krokop a few years ago with a scarf hold headlock. And Mirko Krokop in MMA and kickboxing since leaving the UFC first time around, he doesn't lose to many people. Go look at Mirko Krokop's record in MMA and kickboxing. You can say what you want about substances or whatever. When Mirko Krokop left the UFC after 2011, I think it was, I think Alexei Olenek and Remy Bojanski are the only people to beat him, and Bojanski beat him by majority decision. Olenek finished him. That's pretty impressive, man. Pretty damn impressive. Davi Ramos defeated uh, Nick Hine via face crusher. God, the pressure. Pressure on that was great. Ramos looked like he pulled guard when, when he got kicked, which is certainly curious. Don't know how well that'll pay off. He threw a right, landed a really easy takedown. Bad news for Hine. Ramos pulled uh, looked for a double wrist lock, and then Hine tried to shake back control uh, uh, back control attempt, but Ramos was uh, really relentless. Crank on the jaw gets the win. A face crusher. That is impressive. Whoo, Dos Santos defeats Strickland round one KO. Zaleski hit a great wheel kick and knocked out Strickland. Faked the left hook, went right, and threw as he moved in. Just dipped down and then spun his body around, looked over his shoulder, crack right in the face. Dos Santos could very well be 6-0 in the UFC. That Dalby fight was close. A lot of media had it for uh, Dos Santos. So I'm not holding that one against him. The man could be 6-0 right now. He is one that, that should be getting a bigger fight. Sean Strickland was a good fight for him tonight, though. I'm, I'm not saying that that wasn't. It was a good fight for him. However, um, if I'm UFC, it's time to move him up in that welterweight division. And people, of course, already asking me who, <laughs> who at welterweight Dung Hyun Kim, Leon Edwards, Alex Oliveira, Gunnar Nelson, Donald Cerrone, Ponzinibbio, Neil Magny. Any of those guys. Any of those guys sounds like a winner for uh, Zaleski Dos Santos for me. Morley Alves mercifully stops the fight with Sultan Aliv. Good corner action here. Stop between round two and three because Aliv's eye was just completely swollen shut. Apparently Alves hurled before he came to the cage, according to John Anik. He is aggressive early, but begins to pace himself because he does have a habit of gassing out. Uh, not a ton of action, but Alves threw that right over and over again until Aliv's eyes closed. And, you know, Al- Alves called out Colby Covington. Yang getting Colby Covington, buddy. I'm sorry. I hate to be the bearer of bad news. I'm sure you're listening to this show right after your, your victory at UFC 224 and you're listening in English, but You've got two wins in a row. You lost two in a row before that. You ain't getting Colby Covington, even though you beat him. Sorry. I get it. You should want that fight, but you ain't getting it. Rosman Amin defeated Alberto Mina via me falling asleep. It's really best that we just all forget that this fight happened. 
The UFC had the balls to display fights or stats for this fight. That was kind of funny. It's like, ah, 41 strikes. Oh, okay. Who gives a shit? And Meave is 2-0 in the UFC. This is Mina's first loss in his career. But the guy's 36 and has had four fights in his four-year UFC career. You come in at 31, 32, you fight four times in the next four years. It's not going to get much better for you. Sorry, Mina. Marcus Perez beat uh, Bogdanovich via round one submission. Perez said he wanted to win the fight title at 185, then go to 170. Considering this was his first UFC fight, I thought that was kind of thinking ahead. I really did think that Perez would have trouble getting close, but uh, Bogdanovich took it upon himself to get into clinch range, which resulted in him being taken down repeatedly. Perez locked that rear naked choke in, and Bogdanovich tried to battle the hands and peel the arm, but no dice. First round win for Perez. That's a wrap on UFC 224, guys. Leave us a thumbs up. Y'all got any questions? Have added. I'm here for a couple more minutes. But I thought that tonight was a great night of fights. The main event wasn't spectacular. John Fitch, Paul Daly fight sucked, but was entertaining for other reasons. And other than that, really the only fight that I watched that I didn't like that much was uh, Emiv and Mina. That's it. Nate Diaz was at Bellator. Yeah, he was. Uh, doing everything but fighting. Up next, we have UFC Fight Night Chili next weekend. Might be a show that I cover uh, the night after or the day after. I don't know. Not a lot of big fights there. Kamaru Usman and Damian Maya. You have Alexa Grasso on the show. Jared Cannonier and Dom Reyes is interesting, I guess. Pantoya and Moreno. Fitch facing Roy for the title next. Oh, God. I mean, kind of, you you almost, it's it makes sense, but. Yeah, man. It's, it's hard to imagine anybody putting Fitch in a title fight right now, but I think he's won five in a row and he's 40 years old. And he was, I think he was thinking about retiring a couple years ago, right? 50 Cent was talking to Scott Coker. I'm sure he'll fight a pimple brother by years in. 50 Cent ain't going to fight. Uh, is this uh, pay-per-view tonight worth 60 bucks? It was 65. Yeah, I think it was. I'll tell you what, guys. You, you all saw, I'm sure some of you all saw the pro wrestling coverage. Pro wrestling has not been good to me over the last six weeks from an entertainment perspective. It just hasn't, including WrestleMania week. It was April was the busiest month that I ever had working ever in my entire life because we had WrestleMania week, obviously impact running that weekend. NXT's running that weekend. Ring of honors running that weekend. UFC's going that weekend. Bellator went that weekend. But then Conor McGregor did all the stuff that he did. Bro after Mania, SmackDown after Mania. The next week, Superstar Shake-Up, Superstar Shake-Up. The next week, Greatest Royal Rumble. The next week, we had Backlash. So this is really post-Backlash for us, and this is still a busy weekend. Ring of Honor, two boxing cards, two MMA cards, quietly busy weekend. And also, like I said, James Lynch had all those interviews. So I was wore down. And very, you will never hear me say I'm burned out because my job rules. It's fucking awesome. I was getting burned out. I had to take a day, took a day off. I needed really good combat sports. 
I need it to wipe the slate clean. Somebody says, oh shit, this is one of the pro wrestling MMA confusion guys. What the, how long have you been here? Do you look at the channel that you're watching? Bro, do your homework. We are the crossover leader in pro wrestling and MMA. Where do you think you are? (laughs) Jesus. But yeah. Pro wrestling has been real bad lately, at least to me. It's been a holding pattern for a long time. Combat sports tonight ruled. This was in the cage, just quality. Just quality. Really good night. A lot of fun. I want to thank you guys for joining me. Likely be back next week for UFC Chili. (laughs) But UFC's been on a roll in the cage. So we've had some real good fights. Fantastic fights. So thank you guys for joining me. Thank you guys for also joining the Pro Wrestling Podcast that we do several times a week. And of course, check out Holy Smokes MMA Podcast. And check out FightfulSelect.com. We have a lot of exclusive content up there. Till next time, guys. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.